Yeah, after that song, I mean, come on. Kind of puts things into perspective a little bit, doesn't it? I think so. Well, good morning to you. If you don't know me, my name's Ethan. Um, and I get the, the honor and the privilege of getting to just share uh, God's word this morning. And so we've been um, going through a series called The World's Turned Upside Down. Because what's more upside down than Jesus' teachings? It's just beyond different than what we encounter in society and the world. Um, it's so true. We're going through this with um, our brothers and sisters. Uh, over 20 churches are doing this series together. So this morning, think about that across the United States, maybe even across the, the ocean in some places. There's other churches going through the same stuff. We're doing this together. How powerful is that? It's amazing. And so we've looked at the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. This idea that Jesus, God's kingdom, as Jesus says, is looking for these attitudes in people. Put that on your resume on Indeed. You won't get the job. But that's what God is looking for. It is upside down. Yes, it's upside down. And then last week we talked about the law of Moses and looking at the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. We found out that although... The Pharisees and others thought the law was supposed to be outward in. Jesus teaches that the law is inside out. It's about your heart. It's about being transformed inwardly. He talks about this is the proper way to view God's law using my yoke. And do you remember Jesus' yoke? What is it? Love God with all you got and love your neighbor with all you got. Jesus says, you remember that and then go back and read the Hebrew Bible. You're going to see things differently, right? And so that's what the first part was about. It's understanding that, that God's teaching is about the inside out, not the outside in. And I, I, I felt like that spoke to us maybe a little bit in our culture today. Can we be an outside in kind of people at times? Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times, and then today we're gonna this. Remember, this sermon builds on itself, so we're taking those ideas upside down, inside out, and today we're talking about right side up. We're getting into the second part of the Sermon on the Mount, the second half, where Jesus is now talking about this is what holiness looks like. This is what righteousness, real righteousness, looks like. Okay. We're looking at holiness and righteousness right side up. The way God intended. The way God wants us to practice these things. Amen. In a way that is undeniable. Amen? Amen. You know, have you ever watched a uh, commercial with a celebrity endorsement and you're like, there's no way that celebrity uses that product? What's the best or the worst one you've seen? Subway and, like, Tom Brady? That dude doesn't even know what bread is. Right? Yeah. Serena Williams. Chuck Norris. What was he endorsing? Bowflex? Any celebrity endorsing the Bowflex. Maybe I'm wrong. Right, I think of LeBron James and Kia commercials. Yeah. Who doesn't drive? You're not seeing him driving around in the Kia Forte. 
I'm so sorry. Right? Well, Will Shatner does the price line. I'm like, that dude has his own plane. He doesn't need to negotiate on price. Are you kidding me? Right? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. What do you think when you see that? What goes through your mind as you see those celebrity endorsements? How much are they getting? Maybe. Their agent messed up. <laughs> is it authentic? Does it come across as like, wow, LeBron James really does enjoy Kia automobiles? He might. I don't know. Probably not. There's nothing worse than a person advertising a product who doesn't use it themselves, right? That's that. Yeah, that's that. That much is obvious. And so there's there's a quote I want to share with you this morning. This is uh, this is out of a book I've been reading. Perhaps we are not eating what we are selling. More likely, I think, what we are selling is irrelevant to our real existence and without power for our daily life. I want you to think about who we are. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That is our context. That is who Jesus says, that's who we are as God's people, yes? Do we eat what we sell? Do we eat what we advertise? Let's not get this twisted into some 21st century church marketing scheme. But you get the point, don't you? Amen. Jesus said in, in, in chapter 5, he says, your holiness must exceed that of the Pharisees. <laughs> and the Pharisees' mantra was, we're going to be holy as God is holy. So that's a high bar, isn't it? Yeah. Unless perhaps there's something they were missing. Unless perhaps they were viewing God's teaching as outside in versus inside out. Unless perhaps they weren't eating what they were selling. Does that make sense? You know, when it has, holiness has real effect over our daily lives, it's because we eat it. We're going to dive into chapter 6 of Matthew. So if you have a Bible in front of you, we're going to read a lot. Amen? And bear with me. You might be like me on this fine spring morning. A little tickle in your throat, right? And so I hear you guys out there. I hear it. We're in this together. Kansas is ranked in like one of the top 10 worst places for allergies, right? Maybe even higher. <clears throat> I stand by my claim that Kansas isn't meant for human beings to live in it at times. I love Kansas, but sometimes I think it's trying to kill me. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> please bear with me. Matthew 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, you have they have received their reward in full. 
And when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And here we have the second part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is how you hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is how you live this out. This is true righteousness. And Jesus is going to begin talking about giving, prayer, and fasting. Kind of the three things that the Pharisees hung their hats on, right? This is what righteousness looks like, giving to the poor, praying, and fasting. Jesus is going to talk about that. But we're talking about holiness in secret. Giving done in secret doesn't call attention to you. I think uh, one example for us to bring this maybe to light in um, our context today, remember the ice bucket challenge? (sighs) How much of that was about being seen by others? And you're like, well, that's awareness, right? It's an awareness campaign. And that, that was the intention in the beginning. But pretty soon it became like people were just dumping buckets of ice on themselves and there was no mention of the charity, right? And I'm going to do this to be seen by others, right? I think that's a good example for us. I think perhaps we, we can be caught up in that as well. Um, Brandel had, had, had taught this before to us. That word hypocrites is really important, really important for us to re-understand what this means, right? Because when we think hypocrite, we think someone whose life doesn't match up with what they say, which is true, but the, but the meaning of this word actually means actor, like, a, like someone who acts in theater, right? And you're going to see, as we go through Matthew 6, you're going to see theater language used throughout, okay? And that's really important for us to think about. They're in this Greco-Roman culture, and they, and they love theater. Alexander the Great, he's like, you need four things to, to control like, society, to build a society. And one of them was theater. Like, he's, like, he's like, you keep the people entertained, right? Like, and, and, you, and you got them. And so you better believe theater was a huge part of society in this time. Still is today, right? Yeah, yeah. All the Disney people said yes. So pay attention to the theater language, and I'll point some out. But it's about not drawing attention to yourself. He's going to use this hypocrite as a reference to the dominant religious culture, to to the Pharisees. He's going to call them actors. He says, don't, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the actors do. That's a burn. But it's real. It's about not drawing attention to yourself. Our holiness, now let's not get this twisted when we talk about holiness in secret. Our holiness must be seen. Okay? And that's not a controversial thing. Our holiness must be seen. That's how we are a blessing to the world. That's how people see what we do. And they see that we're different. Right? So it's not that you shouldn't give to people and you're like, hey, come here around the corner and let me give to you real quick. So that's not like that. But it's about why. What's your motivation? What is your motivation? So the question for us this morning is, are we acting holy? Are we living holy? Amen? Amen, Jesus. Hard words. Let's keep going. This sermon preaches, doesn't it? All right. Back to the text in in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the actors, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen 
by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans, for they will be heard because of their many... For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask. And we'll, we'll pause here for a second. It's important for us to get this idea of a prayer closet. That's weird, considering most people lived in like a one-room house. They just conveniently have a, a, what is that? It's a prayer shawl. Have you seen Jewish people, the shawls? And they pull it over their heads to pray. So that's, that's what this means. So when you pray, put your shawl on. So you're not focused on who's watching me, who can see this. You connect with God. You connect with God. You pray as you know you ought to pray with your heart directed at God, not worried about who's looking at you or who's around or who you might be impressing, right? Verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what is happening here? You know what's really cool about the Sermon on the Mount? Is there's a middle. You have a first half and a second half. You have how to, how to interpret the Torah and then how to live it out. You don't want to know what is directly in the middle. The thing that Jesus is really trying to get us to listen to, it's the Lord's Prayer. And yes, I know some of you, like me, grew up in a context where this was a, a lullaby to you. Where this is where these were, became meaningless words. And so we're like, that didn't help me. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Let's, let's come back to it. Think about these words. What's really cool about the Lord's Prayer is that it's taken from Jewish daily prayers. If, if, you, if you look up the Jewish daily prayers, it's called the Amidah. If you look it up, you'll find these words there. Jesus is saying, you already know how to pray. You pray this prayer already. Here it is. Boom, 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 boom. Except Jesus adds one thing. He adds, when we say forgive us of our debts, he adds, adds, help us to forgive our debtors. Jesus adds that. Hold on to that. Are you you listening? Jesus' focus, forgive others as well. When, when we're trying to learn how to live out God's teachings, when we're trying to learn how to live righteously and how to be holy, don't forget your neighbor. Don't forget your relationships. Holiness and righteousness are about people. That is Jesus' yoke. That is what we believe as Christians. Holiness and righteousness are about people. And the moment we forget it's about people and we think it's about a moral code or a rule or you broke the rule or don't catch me breaking the rule, you've lost. You've totally, the moment you think you're going to earn God's favor or that person needs to do more to earn God's favor, you've lost. 
Holiness and righteousness are about people. It's about the way you treat people, the way you interact with people, the way you build your relationships, the way you maintain your relationships and seek after loving your neighbor with what you've got. Are you listening? So prayer done in secret, prayer done in your closet, doesn't call attention to you. Jesus is calling us to pray regularly. And you don't have to be some crazy impromptu prayer person making up words on the spot like you're a battle rapper with God or something. Pray these words. I am telling you, commit yourself to praying the Lord's Prayer every day. Set a time every day. You pray even more than once a day if you got it in you. If you say these words, if you speak these words enough, they will eventually start to speak back to you. There is nothing in the Lord's Prayer that you could pray better. Period. There's nothing you will encounter in your daily life that isn't covered in the Lord's Prayer. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I don't. Jesus does. He says, this is how you should pray. Maybe we need something to guide our hearts in prayer. Maybe we need those guidelines to help us remember on what's important, who is in control. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I start riffing in my prayer, it gets to be me, me, me a lot. And I'm like rubbing my little genie lamp like, God, please, God, please. You know what I mean? Right? Or I'm shaking my eight ball like, God, can you make this happen? Unlikely. Ah! You know, like. But that's. How's that going to affect your heart over time? And we end up in a situation where we got people in our midst, especially young people, working with young people for a long time, who say, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. The Lord's Prayer. Can you commit yourself to praying it enough? Okay? All right. Sorry. There, I, could, I could go for like another 30 on the Lord's Prayer. For another time, perhaps. Let's keep reading in Matthew. Matthew 6.16 And when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites, as the actors do, for they disfigure their faces. They paint their faces. Actors painting their faces. Yes? To show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is seen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's the third time Jesus has said that. When your Father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. You know, and that line's incredibly important, because I think sometimes when we read that in the English, we're like, oh, he will reward me in the future. And maybe. But I think what it means more is, you do something for attention of people, you get your reward in the attention of people. That's right. That's your, that is it. Yeah. You do something with the heart of honoring God and obeying God, you'll be rewarded with that in the present as well, in transformation, Amen. in your heart being turned towards him. Amen. But fasting, fasting done in secret doesn't draw attention 
to you. The Pharisees were really good. They fasted twice a week. They had this practice like down, right? Right? That's righteousness, right? I fast twice a week. I pray five times a day. I give to the needy. I'm righteous. Is it inside out? We fast. We fast not to be seen as righteous or holy or to make a statement, but it's to remember on how little we need in comparison to God. That's who we need. And that's going to be a great transition to what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about holiness in practice. Holiness in practice. You know, the, the, the subtitle the author of this gave it was Practical Holiness, but you know how I feel about the word practical. So holiness in practice. You know, fear, fear usually keeps us from trusting in God in these areas. Um, I was talking with a brother <clears throat> a while ago, and we are talking about this idea of FOMO. Have you guys heard of FOMO? The fear of missing out. And you hear about it a lot in terms of um, economics and business, it's, but it's a human thing. FOMO is at the core of a lot of human deviation from God. I mean, Adam and Eve, right? Fear of missing out. They were afraid of, that was the core thing for them, right? They were afraid of missing out on who they could be. They could be like God. Mm. The fear of missing out. And that idea, that fear of missing out, is going to be at the core of what Jesus is talking about here. Abundance versus scarcity. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen to this. The, the eye, we, you, you probably hear this and you're like, this is a weird transition, Jesus. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What? But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What? If then the light within you is darkness, how great... What? What does this mean? How great is that darkness? And then he like jumps back. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And you're like, these are so random. These little thoughts that are jumbled together. And we have a hard time viewing this teaching as one continuous thought, right? So listen to this. The idea for healthy eyes or unhealthy eyes, right? Another word that's better is an eye that sees abundance, a generous eye, an abundant eye. And then unhealthy eye, what that term is really trying to get at is an eye that sees that there's not enough, an eye of scarcity. Yes? Now we're getting to the core of like human existence, y'all. <laughs> this is the real deal here. The way you see the world changes you on the inside. If you see the world with healthy eyes where there is enough, there is an abundance of what I need, I will not miss out. What do you think your life would look like if that's how you see the world? 
Where your eyes go, there your body will follow. We are taking Ren out on a bike ride this week. And Marissa's the whole time for like 30 minutes straight. She just keeps telling Ren, wherever your eyes look, there, there your hands are going to follow. She kept saying that over and over and over for 30 minutes. I'm like, this woman has the patience of a saint. Because <laughs> me, I was like, let's turn around and go home. And I'm not even kidding. I'm like, I can't do this. But our eyes, where we look, there we go. So if we look and we look and we see the world as a place of abundance, of I don't have to be afraid, there's going to be enough, then our lives are going to follow in a way that reflects that. If you live life with scarcity mindset, with scarcity eyes, I don't know if there's going to be enough for me. I need to find a way to, to get enough. That person is taking that from me. Yes? Right? What do you think that life might look like? Competition, violence, rivalries, greed, oppression. Does it, does it sound like human history a little bit? Take that also into our relationships. Your healthy eyes. You always see the good in someone. You can see the good in people. That affects your relationship with them. Right? Because that will come out. That will flow out. Like If you can look at someone, you can always see the good in them. See them as God sees them. That helps you to build a positive relationship with them. If your eyes are critical, they're always, you are always going to find something to critique in others. If your eyes are cynical, you're always going to find something to be cynical about. If your eyes are mistrusting, you are always going to find something to mistrust. Always. So are your eyes healthy or unhealthy? Jesus says your eyes are the lamp of your body. If your eyes are healthy, then your body will be full of light. Does that make a little bit more sense now? If your eyes are unhealthy, your body's going to be full of dark. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. If you have healthy eyes, you're not going to get caught up in that game. If you've got to get yours, mammon, material items, whatever it is. If you have, if you have unhealthy eyes, well, your attention's going to be split between God and money. Does that connect now? We're like, holy cow, okay, what's, this is crazy. Do you see abundance or scarcity? Not just in the world, not just at the grocery store. And look, this past, these couple years have put that to the test for some of us. We're not used to seeing empty space on the shelves, which is a very, you know, first world problem to have. But in relationships as well, how has that worked out for you? Now let's continue. We're going to see this idea of eyes carry out. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Now this makes more sense why Jesus is talking about this in this order, right? Life not more than food, and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
and see how the flowers of the field grow. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that even Solomon and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, and this is where we've often taken this out of context, but maybe this will mean something different now. But, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has a trouble, enough trouble of its own. Only when you have the healthy eye are you able to set your priorities straight. I think this is a trap for many of us. We think we can view people. We think we can view society around us with unhealthy eyes, eyes of scarcity, and that things will still work out for us. It's like our hand is in the cookie jar, and it's stuck, but we're not willing to let go. Amen? Amen? If you are stuck, if you're stuck in relationships, if you're stuck in your relationship with God, is your eye healthy? Or is your eye unhealthy? Let's keep reading. Then we're getting to this section about judgments, which has everything to do with about having a healthy eye. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You actor, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's the eye talk, right? You're supposed to be thinking about healthy eye, unhealthy eye, healthy eye, unhealthy eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn you to pieces. Only when you have the healthy eye are you able to see your neighbor fairly. Now, I, I, we have a little video to kind of demonstrate this point. I know, movie time, okay? So I'm going to stand aside, and Jim's going to throw on a quick video for us. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop thing, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... 
sometimes it's like there's this achy I don't know what it is and I'm not sleeping very well at all and all my sweaters are snagged I mean all of them That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't. Uh, thanks, Jim. Have you guys seen that before? Oh, I have. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good. Who is right? The guy? He was right? Right. Was he righteous? How can you be right but not righteous? You know, I, I agree. I'm like, the guy's clear. the whole point of the video is the guy's clearly right, isn't he? These are, you got a nail in your head. You got a nail in your head. Don't talk about that. You got a nail in your head. And I think when we view God's teaching as a moral code, as rules, you got a nail in your head. That's the problem. You have a nail in your head. And I think maybe what Jesus is trying to get us to reconsider is what if it's about the relationship? What, it's, what, if, what, if, what if the guy wasn't right? right? <clears throat> maybe the problem wasn't the nail. Maybe the problem is the way he was acting in the relationship. And I think that's the thing for us is we're so quick to be like, yeah, it's th- he's right. Back up. Is that Jesus yoke? Is it? Mm. Does that make sense? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Those with the healthy eye won't need to scramble to provide for themselves, but they know to ask God. They know to trust God. How many of you guys here today have ever gone a day in your life where you didn't have exactly what you needed? Because we're here, (laughs) right? Every day we're given exactly what we're needed. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is how Jesus is ending this teaching on how to live holy, how to live righteous. Righteousness and holiness are all about people, all about relationships. We too, we're subject to being actors. Let's Let's just get past that. We are. We can be subject to being actors in righteousness and holiness. We can be really good at that, too. We build up our own culture, our own traditions. But if we choose to cling to an upside-down reading 
of God's teachings will remain actors. Jesus' yoke turns God's teaching right side up. And that's what the world must see. That's what the world must see. Because Jesus says, how will people know you're my disciples? By how well you can point out a nail in someone's head? By how squeaky clean your congregation looks? How sharp you are? By how many people were there this morning? No. People will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. We are not actors. We are not actors. You've got to tell yourself that. You've got to write that down. We are not actors. You are salt. You are a light. You've got to allow God's words to be true in your heart and mind. Let's choose healthy eyes. This teaching is the spirit of Christ himself. And we're going to, again, it's, it's, it's really interesting how Jesus' yoke just illuminates scripture in a whole new way. Turn with me to Romans 12. Or, if you want to close your eyes and listen, Romans 12, this is going to guide our time into communion together. As we think about what does this, this Sermon on the Mount, this living out holiness, this living out righteousness, what does that look like for the church? What does that look like for the church? Romans 12. This is, this is the spirit of Jesus here, okay? Let's see if any words jump out. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God's distributed to each of you. For just as each one, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. <clears throat> if it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it's to give, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being holy, for being different, for being set apart. And we come before you this morning together, God, and we ask you to help us to be holy as you are holy. Help us to live differently. Help us to cling to Jesus' yoke in the way we understand you, the way we read your word, and also in the way that we treat others. God, we, we see and we know that Jesus had healthy eyes. He had eyes of generosity. He had eyes of light, of love and goodness everywhere he went, with everyone he interacted with. God, help us to be like him. We know our worship to you, our worship that you want to be seen by the world, is a loving sacrifice to be changed, to be transformed, and to, to do things different, God. We thank you for Jesus. Remember him on the cross. While we were sinners, God, he still died for us. While the people around us are sinners, God, help us to die for them as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.